0: What's up y'all? This is Grouch from Living Legends. I'm on uh, KUCI in Irvine right now hanging out telling you about how you should be a simple man and how you should wish people a good day and all that kind of stuff, you know? Good stuff. Living Legends crew, 2012.
1: The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Hello, hello. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is DJ Berka welcoming you to Pills, easy to swallow stories in medicine. So recently we've been... um, I'm really excited for basically the next two weeks because what we'll be doing is going through some of the same theme but from two different angles. Uh, this week, I have a guest who's going to be talking to us about drugs. Well, drugs and you know its relevance in neurobiology, what we know about how it works on the brain. Uh, we'll get into some of the things about how the biology interacts with you know social conditions and things like that. And then next week, we'll talk more about addiction and kind of the impact it has on people as well as um, what people are doing to kind of combat um, addiction uh, in the most effective manner possible. So both of those should be really interesting, and I'm excited to welcome our guest today, uh, Don Wei. Don. Hello. Hi. There we go. Okay, Don, can you uh, introduce yourself?
0: Sure. Uh, My name is Don Wei. I I just uh, graduated uh, from uh, a Ph.D. in uh, biomedical science, uh, and I'm in the M.D. Ph.D. program here at UC Irvine. Uh, My dissertation was uh, focused on how the uh, endogenous cannabinoid system uh, regulates social behavior. And for those of you who don't know, this is the system that uh, the psychoactive principle in marijuana activates. So a lot of things that might be relevant and interesting to a lot of different people.
1: Very nice. So we're going to definitely unpack and uh, try to understand in 30 minutes your uh, work over the last like five years. Is that right? Yeah,
0: sure. (laughs) At least the bits and pieces that are understandable. (laughs) Yeah,
1: definitely, definitely. So tell us, um, this is something I'm sure you're kind of well-versed on. Uh Can you kind of give us a brief primer on how marijuana does affect the brain, or at least how much of it do we understand? Do we know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, As many people know, marijuana has been around for thousands of years And there has been a huge uh, historical correspondence with the evolution of human society. But uh, the psychoactive effects of marijuana were not truly known scientifically until very recently in scientific terms, meaning within the last 30 years, where we started to isolate the bioactive constituents of this drug and started to identify uh, receptors in the human brain which actually uh, bind and are activated by these psychoactive ingredients and it turns out that we didn't uh, evolve these receptors to just smoke marijuana but actually we have these receptors in our brain to conduct a function of a a neurotransmitter system uh, that participate in similar actions to marijuana, actually. Things like feeding, anxiety, pain. uh, And this neurotransmitter system is called uh, the endogenous cannabinoid system or endocannabinoid Endocannabinoid. system. I see. So
1: you're saying there's something in our brains Uh that mimics or is very much like what is in marijuana
0: yeah so I think the proper way to look at it is to think of it as a a natural system that the brain has developed that is important for a variety of different contexts and marijuana happens to have these psychoactive properties because it happens to have a chemical structure which it evolved to take advantage of. The oh, human so brain. it's
1: it's yeah. kind of the other way around. It's like yeah, okay. It
0: happens that we haven't been able to discover the system, but it's obvious to have be always been there all along. More, yeah,
1: maybe in parallel to like plants evolving this thing, or yeah. even yeah. earlier than the plants right. did. Right. Okay. Probably. Yeah. Very interesting. It sounds yeah. like one of those cases where, um, you say like uh, yeah. you look like your brother or something when the brother was you know like you're you're mislabeling which came first maybe like the endocannabinoid system right. is clearly like as ancient or right. as the idea. yeah
0: i mean it's a very conserved uh system and we can find it in uh in uh species that are very evolutionarily different than humans oh okay going back to many different uh way uh you know uh, millennia so absolutely mm-hmm. you can uh, you could probably say that it is um Something that evolved with you know the course of human history, yeah.
1: So you you mentioned it has multiple functions. Um, can you tell mm. us about kind of what kinds of functions this uh, like uh, endogenous or sure. like within the body cannabinoid system has? And sure.
0: Yeah, if you ask a marijuana user what they feel when they smoke marijuana, both in the short term as well as over a period of uh, time. Um, it kind of resembles the profile of uh, functional changes that the endocannabinoid system is known to regulate. And this is things like hunger, um, uh, you know, like the the, munchies. the prototypical munchies, uh, mm-hmm. things like pain and um, inflammation, inflammation. Um, where we're prescribing medical marijuana, for example, to combat Mm -hmm. pain or spasticity and multiple sclerosis Mm -hmm. and surgical pain, you know, cancer and things of this nature. Um, But the the interesting thing is that the endocannabinoid system is actually very prevalent in a variety of different processes um, because it is such an enriched uh, signaling system in the brain. The CB1 cannabinoid receptor is actually the most... Uh, plentiful um, g-protein G coupled receptor in the brain interesting <laughs> yeah
1: and so so this is clearly a system that very much works and then when mm-hmm. we say prescribe or if somebody recreationally takes marijuana yeah they're they're utilizing this existing system exactly and maybe enhancing it in some sort of way exactly. Like by adding more to it yeah okay
0: yeah i mean if you're taking the increasing doses of marijuana you're going to make the system go awry in ways that don't resemble the physiological activation of this system as you increase the dose of marijuana and we're naturally increasing the dose of marijuana because of all these, you know, nice technological advancements we were having and cultivation, you know, political mm-hmm. and economical, you know, factors. So it's gonna affect it in different ways that we know. Right.
1: Yeah. So what about um, just kind of the pleasing effect of it? Um, it kind of makes you down and it uh-huh. it would um, it has some sort of effect where we enjoy it so that you keep consuming it right does that yeah. inform us at all about anything going on in the brain
0: absolutely and you can take a look at it from a couple of different perspectives uh, one is a general drug effect almost any drug that induces a high will be rewarding because it activates uh, what's known as the uh, limbic reward, uh, mesolimbic system, uh, which is um, basically pleasure centers in the brain that are connected to each other. The interesting thing about marijuana is, too, it also activates the cannabinoid system in a distinct way. And as I said, the cannabinoid system is involved in a variety of functions. Now, one of these functions is regulating the reward of certain stimuli, whether it's uh, high-fat natural stimuli or the stimuli that you get from drugs or my work, social stimuli. Uh, So you're actually activating not only the cannabinoid system to enhance the rewarding response to the drug, we're also activating the non-specific mesolimbic reward system. So those are kind of two different mechanisms. Okay. Yeah.
1: So this this is like a concept that I think I've I have a hard time kind of wrapping my head around yeah. because something that is like high in fat, like really fatty, like deep fried just seems Uh like inherently good. Like there's like, it's, it's good without anything in the brain, but Uh that's, that's not the case. Like you need something to something in the brain Mm -hmm. to tell the rest of the brain, Hey, this is really good. Is that kind of what's going on?
0: Yeah. I think, uh, for something with fat, uh, You have whole other systems that are evolved for your metabolism to then tell the brain, interact with the brain too. Uh So there's a whole set of complicating factors there as well. Okay. But you're right. Anytime you want to reinforce a particular behavior that is evolutionarily advantageous. So
1: reinforce a behavior as in do it again, keep doing it.
0: Right. Okay. As in um, make sure that you... Keep doing this behavior. Like you make sure you, once you eat something good, you keep eating it. Right.
1: Which seems obvious, yeah. but like you actually need something to tell the brain, hey, keep doing this. Yeah. Like you need exactly. that signal.
0: Yeah. The, the brain is finally tuned to select for these types of behaviors, all the while being tuned to select against behaviors that are disadvantageous to your survival. Mm-hmm. And so you have a very evolutionally conserved system in the brain that allows you to kind of select for the things that are advantageous to you, such as being a high, you know, taking a high fat diet, being social, et cetera. Um, right. But also, which is then getting hijacked by these drugs that we happen to take. Mm. Right. And
1: so, and so it, it's um, one of these cases you mentioned social. Mm-hmm. So for example, meeting somebody that you really like mm-hmm. would release their signal, or like yeah. would activate this reward system right. and tell you to do the actions that keep yeah. you interacting with this person again. Is yeah. that the way to look at it?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, the 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 basis of the social um, neurobiology is still much less known than the basis of say half, high fat diet or drugs of abuse. But mm-hmm. you can make the generality that um, the generality that You must be activating some parts of the same system to then make a drug, um, I'm sorry, to then make a social stimuli uh, increase uh, its reinforcement such that um, you can sort of look at it as like the brain activity when you're socializing kind of looks like maybe the brain activity that you are when you're uh, smoking uh, marijuana or Uh. when you're, you know, uh, taking cocaine, for example. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah
1: i see yeah. and and so and so this thing will signal hey things are good keep mm-hmm. doing this and then right. you you keep going now um is it clear and i think this is going to become more yeah. uh clear in when yeah. i'm going to ask you about the drugs of abuse but yeah is there something that stops this system from going overboard like um mm. if some action is good yeah how is it regulated such that you do that action a limited number of times
0: yeah i think that's a, a difficult question and uh an, an important insight um, my take is that there are um, processes that will always control the feedback to then inhibit an action that is going overboard and that's mm-hmm. what the brain is built to do there's always these feedback loops Mm-hmm. Um, but the precise processes I don't know personally I don't mm-hmm. think it is known for social stimuli okay. it might be known better for uh, other stimuli other stimuli yeah. right okay yeah
1: okay so let's let's move on to that topic mm-hmm. because it, it certainly mm-hmm. I think the thing that's been best studied right. is like drugs of abuse so, yeah. so clearly yeah. I mean, these a lot of these drugs have been right. around for millennia right. throughout history right and people have taken them because it's caused such a strong effect mm-hmm. on the mind yes mm-hmm. and um but but it it's serving this new purpose now i mean mm-hmm. it, it's still taken for that those reasons and in yeah. many cases causes problems that are complicated by legal issues as well as societal issues right. i mean it's a complicated topic yeah but on top of that they serve kind of a window into understanding mm-hmm. the very systems that we talked about yeah and some of them absolutely. have been elucidated because yeah of these uh things that make like yeah. it's like breaking the system in order to understand it right yeah yeah absolutely so can you talk a little bit about some of these drugs and here we're talking about things like i mean i guess marijuana counts but yeah. especially i think cocaine yeah. or heroin are well-known um yeah drugs that have effect that yeah. affect the reward system
0: right The general consensus uh, for almost any type of reinforcing behavior or any type of behavior that um, is rewarding or pleasurable such that you want to keep on doing it is that uh, activation of the mesolimbic system, which uses a uh, neurotransmitter called dopamine, as I alluded to earlier. Uh, Hmm. The thing with the drugs of abuse is that they seem to be very, very specialized in activating the system. And so it's almost like they're putting the system on overdrive and that's what makes them so addictive and hard to return from uh, i mean hard to stay away from and once you do that you can have like a lot of powerful effects that as you mentioned can sort of break the system so that it doesn't function for other natural stimuli as well and that's one Mm -hmm. of the overarching hypothesis that i've been trying to think about as well
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and so and so taking it not only kind of pushes this system on overdrive which is why they feel so good and people do it more right but for subsequent events you, Uh you you said something like it doesn't work as well
0: yeah like if you can imagine a context and this is more theoretical if you can imagine a context where you're putting Uh, these drugs of abuse into a system so that the system overreacts to Mm -hmm. stimuli that they previously wouldn't have had the same reaction to because you've completely uh, boosted and then sensitized the system, then that Mm -hmm. would make your your brain almost completely selective for these drugs such that when you have normal social interaction or you're eating Uh a natural high-fat food, Um, then your brain doesn't respond in the same way and then you become impaired in these other processes you become socially impaired you want to be by yourself or you go and you eat uh, food in a different way. You eat less or you eat a lot more. Uh-huh. So the balance is becoming completely dysregulated. Mm-hmm. And in that way, that's putting a profound damage, which then can go back and then influence your intake of your drugs as well. So it's this whole you know, feedback that mm-hmm. can mess everything up. Like a vicious cycle.
1: Yeah. And I- is it is it fair to say that just nothing seems as good because... The the amounts of dopamine that you've released and the highs that you've acquired are just so great that things can't yeah. kind of get up to that. Like nothing in the natural world yeah. otherwise kind of meets
0: yeah. that. It's almost like you're potentiating or, or activating the system so much that then... Your brain, once it's tasted like what it can get, like they don't, it doesn't care about anything else anymore, huh. you know. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So I, I have a kind of a theoretical question, um, yeah. and like just like a thought experiment, let's say. Yeah. Sure. So you said there's this really interesting coupling that we've just talked about between yeah. um, an action, like say yeah. doing something more that you want to promote, and then mm-hmm. your brain recognizing that it felt good to do it. Mm-hmm. So would it be possible theoretically to kind of devise um i don't know some sort of situation yeah. in which you're not aware of the drug or something yeah. like this uh-huh. but then you pair the drug being introduced at a time when you're you take an action uh-huh. that you want to promote more of in yourself but uh-huh. you, you you just somehow won't because of fear or something like this so let's Uh take um to flesh it out maybe like let's take like a case where you have a phobia over Uh something yeah and you're forcing yourself to interact with it right and you're combining that yeah without your knowledge somehow yeah with kind of uh taking uh some sort of drug like this Uh which makes you uh which makes them gives your brain like signals like this thing is really good would yeah. you end up reinforcing that and thus like getting rid of that phobia? Does that kind of uh, make sense?
0: Oh, I, I, th- I think I get a little bit of what you're, you're saying. If you can kind of take the uh, um, pleasurable aspect, the physiological response of the drug and pairing right. it with something that is... Aversive or, right, or not pleasurable. See if you can convert the previous uh, non-pleasurable thing to something pleasurable. Is that yeah, like saying?
1: through association, and thereby maybe giving yeah. like some benefit. Um, yeah, because say that thing that you were avoiding was impairing your life in some way. Like, is that just? Yeah. I mean, th- we're talking about thought experiments here yeah. at this point, but like,
0: yeah, I think I, I think um, it's interesting. Um, because this is something that I've thought about with respect to um, social behavior. I can't speak too much about um, whenever you have interacting rewards, it becomes very complicated um, Mm -hmm. biologically. But I've had the idea that a a social uh, state might be uh, good uh, for increasing a response uh, when you're taking a drug for example people who are socializing might actually have an enhanced response to a drug but then when they're addicted on the drug and the drug becomes negative in their affect or there becomes aversive then the social experience perhaps actually buffers against that negative experience so you're uh-huh. sort of taking a reward my idea is that you're taking a reward and try to you're trying to channel that um, positive action onto a previous cue that was actually um, quite um, negative. And Mm. so in that sense, I think that's what really behavioral therapy does and behavioral therapies for, um, you know, any kind of setting you can think of for phobias for, yeah, for addiction, for everything, autism um, you're doing, uh, you know, even chronic diseases, physical diseases, um, you're kind of giving a uh, social support that then uh, targets um, what was previously signaling to your brain is bad, is actually um, tied in to something that is good. The peculiar thing about the brain is that it doesn't really have any judgments. It's actually a pretty uh, um, judgment-free, uh, zen-like kind of a, a role. And it, right. it kind of... Uh, just learns what it tell what you tell it to learn you know and it doesn't really bias um uh, itself yeah you know
1: yeah so so it can be malleable in that way it can
0: be very malleable. yeah
1: tell me Mm -hmm. a little bit about you you touched on this um the context the social context in which you you've taken the drug because I'm and you can talk about it because from the perspective you know I I wanted to bring up um, there was this experiment about um, administering cocaine to rats to see if they could become addicted Yeah. and they tried it in a context with uh, the rats in isolation Uh versus the rats in this park where they had lots of other social um, um, they could be social with other rats and they found that um the rats did not prefer to take the cocaine in that second context now oh. i i don't know if um it's not the best study though like so i don't know if the results you're will saying they prefer
0: out. to take it in isolation in isolation yeah, okay. yeah. But, i mean
1: what's it's unclear whether that study itself was well done because yeah. uh, some others, the, the results in trying to replicate it were mixed. Yeah. but that's to say, like, does like there is thought that the yeah. social context plays a role in yeah. addiction and whatnot. So, yeah, if you could speak to that, even this yeah, no, you, you, you,
0: you raise an interesting point, and I I think this type of study where um, first of all, sociality as a neurobiological construct is not well known. We don't know what really gives rises to social behavior. And when you try to pair something that is not well known with a cocaine or this other drug, um, like I said, the rewards interactions become very complicated. So it's hard mm-hmm. to isolate experimentally.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I have seen studies where the opposite has been found, where the reward of a drug, a cocaine, uh, can actually be amplified in a social city setting over an isolated setting. And so... Um, i would say that the conclusion from these types of things what's what direction it's going in is is uh, not really the valuable lesson we can learn from this what the valuable lesson is that there's definitely an interaction and there is a physiological response in um the social state of the animal mm-hmm. and then a uh you know drug phys- reduced and cocaine induced physiological state of the animal and whether this is going you know up or down it would would de- would be determined by the types of uh, pathways or signaling systems that are affected in the brain uh, for example if you just talk about sociality as a uh, something that rats enjoy that might not necessarily be the case it could hmm. be in a neutral state for them or they could be fighting they could be aggressive uh, there's there's all these mm. emotional you know right it's uh, much sequelae yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And, and so I think what we can learn from this is that um, we must ask these questions uh, in terms of the interactions with other stimuli particularly social stimuli because it has such a profound effect on rewarded behaviors mm-hmm. yeah
1: very interesting so yeah would you say um does this indicate also that in individuals who don't want to take drugs anymore and uh-huh. are maybe suffering from addiction yeah basically an inability to kind of control um their urge to take the drug yeah um the social aspects or basically aspects apart from just uh, pharmacology uh-huh. are very relevant and uh, need to be addressed in, yeah. in kind of um,
0: yeah I think we need to rigorously uh, define it in a scientific way I think the proof is sort of in the societal way that we kind of deal with this stuff right I mean Alcoholics Anonymous support groups these are all very socially driven. Like I said, with behavioral therapy, these are all very socially driven or even placebo controlled clinical trials. These are all very socially driven. You know, when you go to see the doctor, that's a very socially uh, driven context. Yeah, right. And so we need to kind of understand like how much of this is a social effect versus how much of it is actually a drug effect or a, you know, uh, therapy effect mm-hmm, per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? or? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I, th- I think so. And it seems like combined with your last point yeah. and what you're saying about it being well-defined, this yeah. social can encompass so many things. Yes. And it's not clear kind of how it's affecting until that's better understood like and broken down yeah. into its components.
0: Yeah. It's tough because it's kind of raveled together with all these uh, other factors. But I I would argue that there is a distinctly... Social effect that is independent of all these other downstream emotional sequelae that arises as a result of the social interactions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think the brain is just so uh, uniquely tuned to social behavior; has very fundamental properties that tune it to social behavior as opposed to any other type of behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah,
1: thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Don Wei. Right. Newly <laughs> minted a PhD, um, you've been listening to KUCI eighty-eight point nine FM in Irvine. This is uh, this was pills, and my name is DJ Broca. Um, we uh, cover stories in medicine each week. Tune in next week when we'll continue this topic from a different angle as we discuss the new needle exchange that has opened up in Orange County um leaving you now with uncle sadra and good grief thank you awesome. <music>